Greetings, true believers. It's time for Spoiler Country's Make My Marvel TV. Live from the Smith Tower, high over Seattle, with your hosts, John, Kenrick, Sumner, and Casey. Welcome to Make My Marvel TV. All right, guys. Welcome back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That I, I want to say right there is Mr. Horsley, and down below is is the incomparable Mr. Sumner. Greetings. And today on the show, this is the wrap up. This is the wrap up party. Yeah, it's the wrap up for party. the it amazing is, yeah. Wandavision. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys watch Assembled? I did. Yeah, looks I, like they're, they're going to be doing this for all. They're going to do this for everyone. You know what? It made me really made me think that. The, the machine that, like, that Feige and Desposito and Alonzo and all those people have built at Marvel, it really is exceptional because they do those making of shows fucking way better than anybody else does. You know, I mean, it, they're genuinely satisfying to watch and make you think about things that, you know, not necessarily, they don't necessarily reveal more about the narrative, but there were two absolute high points of that show for me, of that behind the scenes show. And for me personally, it was it was finding all about the creator of the show, which, by the way, and I think this is a wonderful thing. This is me being an old fucking fossil, but I just hadn't put it together in my head. I hadn't put it together that the showrunner was female, which I th- thought was fucking brilliant, you know, to me. And I, yeah. I just didn't, I hadn't clicked because that, it's, she's got quite an androgynous name or the expression of her name is quite androgynous and it's Jax or something. And I just hadn't got it, you know, but I thought, fucking hell, of course. That's why this show is so good because it's a, it's a female showrunner, number one. <laughs> yeah. And and number two, the, the fact that the director is a former child actor who'd been in all those fucking 80 shows that he's recalling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought, drugs, was, was, life. just thought was amazing. And then yeah. I loved the sequence with the composers and how they did the, the oh, deep man. dive into all those original 50s themes and the fact that they had that WandaVision chord theme running through each through iteration of, of their music themes, which I hadn't noticed, but no. I realized when they were explaining it, I'd, I'd felt it subconsciously, yeah. but I hadn't yeah. noticed it. And I think spending real time with those three people, those four people in reality, that was just worth the price of admission to that oh, show yeah. alone. I was completely fa- in it. Oh, My yeah. favorite thing was them starting, but you learned from this, is that first ep- the first few episodes? They actually went back, talked with Dick Van Dyke, went over the whole show, uh, yeah, and yeah, shot right. that show just like they shot those original sitcoms. That they was- even went to the point of putting in the metal railing for the audience and had an actual audience and had the wooden chairs just like they would have had in the 1950s yeah. doing the Dick Van Dyke show. I was like. This is incredible. And then to do this, the practical effects with wires because they used the same style of effects that they could then. I, yeah. I, I thought that was, it was like, this is, a, this is a show that has gone above and beyond to, to create, to capture that realism just because they want Wanda's hex of, of bringing everything in for that to be as real as it can be based on how she was expressing her emotions. Yeah, there, I, it, yeah. Was, it was awesome. They're attention to detail on the attention to detail on how they shot the show is next level, right? Watching this thing, I mean, I I had thought they'd done some things to to make it you know feel like the original shows, but that, but I thought most of it was your special effects. But watching the behind yeah. the scenes, no, they, I mean, 
they 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 mimic the lighting, they mimic, mimic the camera angles, the camera structure. They changed the paint on the on vision to make sure it would show up right to blue versus the, yeah. the reddish. Oh god, that was so yeah. good. That because yeah. that's exactly like the say the Captain America costume from the from the 1940s serial or the yep. Superman costume from the night from the black and white episodes. Yep. They're not red, white, and blue. You know, when you look at the color scheme, <laughs> they're kind of yeah. shades of gray because it's how it plays on camera. I think also what was really cool was seeing seeing Wanda, the actress Elizabeth Olsen, so giddy over the over the part and how it's grown and like her her, her, whole, her whole take on wearing the costume for the first yeah. time, where it's like yeah, several years ago she's like no, this is dumb. But now she's like no, now it, it's awesome and it makes sense and it's so much fun. Like just that growth and then Paul Bettany's just sheer joy of doing this still. Like all of it was it was really cool and I I don't know if you guys noticed this but the the the, the couple that wrote the theme songs. That's the same yeah. couple that wrote the songs for Frozen. Let it let it go. Yeah, right. On. Is it really? They're, it is. No, they are they wow. are they are top level yeah, they musical are talents, those people. They're, they're the best sister, of the best. Right? No, they're married. They're married. Yeah, they're married. Oh, they're married. Yeah. yeah. They're a married oh. couple. They, they, they are literally they grew up with each other because of the way they, they spoke, I thought they were I didn't hear them say they were married. I thought they were brothers sister because of the way they spoke about growing up together. No, yeah, I, no. ju- I just think they were referencing, you know, kind of experiences yeah. they both happen to Parallel have, you growth. know, be, yeah, yeah. Be, because because the hi- you know the high level musicians, right? Do you know what they're, I mean? But they're, but they're they are, ridiculous. Yeah. They are where it's at, you know. To I mean, they're they're just incredible. Where it's at. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're just two turntables and a microphone. <laughs> it's Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. Yeah, and they're amazing, and they wrote their their whole diatribe into that writing the songs was was really cool, like. The one thing I learned from this this assembled episode was surely just the level of detail they put into doing everything. It wasn't yeah. just uh, make nine episodes of the superhero stuff and kind of hit some tropes. There was a lot of research, a lot of time, and a lot of effort to make it authentic, which makes it just it just goes to show what Marvel and Disney does best is with the stuff is they they have this this the MCU is basically a giant TV show. I mean, it really yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's all connected. It's it's a big drama. There's nothing like it out yeah. there, and it's just insane how well they connect all this stuff together. And it's uh, I don't know, man. Just the behind the scenes on these things. It's this is this was one of the best behind the scenes I've ever I've seen in a long time because most of them are pretty boring, <laughs> to be honest. Do you think Fox, knowing that Feige was on X Men, watched him go on to do Marvel, and were just like? Why did we let that guy go? Oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's all irrelevant now because now he's like everybody's boss who ever worked on those shows. So it's brilliant because he's like the associate producer. But he was always, right from the original alignment, right from when he was working for, for a, you know, Avi Arad and all those guys, it was Fagu was the one with all the Marvel knowledge, right from right, the get-go. Right, he, right. Had, he was the guy who's the deep, you know, because he was heavily involved in the casting of of, uh, of of Logan in the first place of Wolverine, who is massively involved in all of that. You know, he was, because he was the associate producer in the X-Men, but he was one of the guys who literally sat down, and, you know, once that role was cast and you had the yeah. conversation over, over lunch. I mean, you know, he's known Hugh Jackman for years, you know, and he's he was heavily involved in all of it. And that's a, that was a that was a decision to cast you. That was how do I say this? That was a uh, uh, that was, was a gamble. It was, it was because yeah. if you if you describe Wolverine from the comic books, it's nothing Hugh like Jackman. Doesn't look anything like him. Yeah, you know yeah. he's tall. He's a foot taller. He's, he's, a foot taller. He's, he's muscular, thin, and yeah, you know Wolverine is short, squat, built like but he's built like a tank, not like and and Jackman's more like he's. He, He's more like a gymnast with yeah. that yeah. has added bulk, 
You know what I mean? It's not the same. And that was, that was a gamble and it paid off in spades. Cause now you think of Wolverine when you, when you read him in the comic book, they still, you think of Jackman first, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Which is, in some ways it's sacrilegious because Wolverine is, is, is the fucking Wolverine. And then it's, it's one of those roles. It's going to be really hard for them to recast him. Yeah. Do do you know this, by the way, do you know that that Jackman was only cast for Wolverine, like literally at the very last minute. And he was the last person to be cast in X-Men and filming was all, was already underway when they cast him. And, and the reason that happened is, they cast a Scottish actor called Dugray Scott. He's yep. probably most well-known to US audiences for being the bad guy in Mission Impossible 2. And um, like Mission Impossible films tend to do, because this is exactly what happened, weirdly enough, with Superman, right, it, is that uh, Mission Impossible 2, for various reasons, went massively like over schedule. And so Dugray Scott was cast as Wolverine. And and he couldn't do it because because basically the Mission Impossible shoot ended up running by two months, yep. so they really tried to make it work, but it just couldn't. So he had to go. Oh, Sorry, man. I had to walk away. Guy. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then they then they cast Hugh Jackman like literally at the last minute. They were already like a couple of weeks into shooting. Do Gray Scott wow. must be fucking gutted, <laughs> you know, because oh, he's gone yeah. on to have a, an interesting career as a. You know, as a kind of, he's sometimes a leading man on TV. He's a character actor. He's a good actor, yeah. Yeah. But it, he'd been in at least one film where he had this kind of um, brooding, kind of brutishness, where he'd grown his hair. You know, actually, if you see him in the, if you see him in a bunch of films, you go, how could he be Wolverine? But there's these one or two roles of his in the past where you can see, oh, we put the muscle on him and we put the long hair, all that kind of stuff. We can make it work, yeah. yeah. And I think he would have been a very interesting choice. But Hugh been. Jackman turned out to be so perfect. He's just obliterated yeah. everybody else. And because he That's played hilarious. the he's probably played the role, I would say, just about longer than anybody's ever played a superhero on the big screen for. I can't think of anybody who's played one for longer than him. No. Maybe, Same character. Well, oh, in terms of a span of years. The amount of movies and everything. Yeah. I can't yeah. think of anybody I mean, I think, either. I think it's I think it's lo- my, my point being, I think it's longer than RDJ like played uh, Stark for, which is about 12, 13 years. I think, you know, you've got to look at, you know, Jackman's played Wolverine since the first X-Men, which is what, 2000? 1999? You know, no, t- yeah, and, until until last year, you, the 90. year before. 2001. Yeah, there you go. You guys, you got to get up because we can barely hear you. And then, sorry, Sumner and I start talking, and then <laughs> Johnny has to like enter, like he's got to like the right hook out of the way. He'll never get away. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. If you're, st- if yeah. you're back up, but you're already halfway out of the game because <laughs> we can't hear you. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, Drew Gray Scott, he also played Prince Harry in uh, Ever After with Drew Barrymore, which I like that movie. So, oh, he did, yeah, 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 uh, which, uh, yeah, I've never you know who was seen. supposed to play. So in the 80s, they were trying to cast the X-Men and they were trying to get that movie going in like 1985, 1986. And the the big rumor is that Danny DeVito was going to be Wolverine. Fucking hell. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Can you but imagine if you think that? About, yeah, well, if you think about Danny DeVito in the 80s and you think about Wolverine in the comic books, it actually makes quite a bit of sense. That would have been freaking cool. <laughs> I would it would have been that. hilarious. I, I, like, I don't know, man. I love the TV show Taxi, and Danny DeVito in Taxi has the attitude to do it. Yeah. You know, even though it's all comedic, he does have the attitude, He, you know, and 
you wouldn't have to put on, I mean, obviously you can't put on Wolverine style muscle. Cause I don't think anybody in the world could when, you know, when you look at comic books, <laughs> <laughs> but it would have been hilarious and it might've been, it, it, it might've been great. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you never oh, that's, know. A, that's absolutely brilliant. I, I feel it, 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 there's no way it could have been great to be honest. I just don't <laughs> think, I think it, it just would have been insane, but I would have liked to have seen it. But you know what they could do? Which would be how do fucking they do this, brilliant. How do they do the knives back then though? Oh, you know, yeah, how well, do they do well, his claws? It just would have ended up looking like the, the, the knockoff fantastic four movie. It would have been, it would have looked like that. <laughs> I, I mean, it would have been a just whole bunch the Roger of stuff. Foreman? That, yeah, the Roger, it would have been like oh, the Roger man. Corman, you know, in camera Fantastic Four movie, or like yeah. the nineteen, the, the mid nineteen seventies Universal TV shows, and you know, there's only really one TV show, the Hulk, but then there's a bunch of TV pilots. Which yeah. remember, we are going to be covering off on future episodes of Make My Marvel TV. Yes, um, we will. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That, that's exactly <laughs> right. So, so uh, I. I Oh man, there was someone else I was going to say then. Oh yeah, check check this out though. We were we were we were talking a bit about Bobby Lopez and Christina Anderson Lopez, but how good they yeah. are. It, it's like not only are they like the best, you know, kind of music writing team in the business, but like Bobby Lopez, the husband, he like co-wrote the Book of Mormon and Avenue Q. Oh yeah, and he is one of I think some like sixteen people. It's only sixteen people who have literally won uh, and. Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony Award. Yeah. Gosh. He is like yeah, wow. the best of the best. You know, he's in a super class of his own. So is she. But because he's been involved on, you know, kind of some some stage stuff, he's won every one of those. Like at the ego. That's incredible. You know, and, and there's virtually nobody who has that credit, you know, in a in hundred years of all these awards being given it's, out. It's so funny because when as I was watching that making and I'm seeing all the stuff they're doing, all the money they're spending, all I could think of. Is it Richard At- Attenborough in Jurassic Park? Is that who that is? Who's in Jurassic Park? Who's the... Uh... Richard Attenborough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he kept going, spared no expense. Spared no expense. <laughs> That's what kept going through my head. Every time I was watching this, I was like, God dang, man. Nine, eight episodes. Is it nine episodes. Nine episodes, nine. Yeah, and you guys spent this kind of money. I mean, you must have blown the budget of, you know, take four... That must have been like two seasons of oh, God, Big Bang. It, it's years. a significantly you know higher budget than a regular TV show. I mean, yeah, just no it was like it, it was incredible. Because it's not really a TV show, is it? It's really no. what it really is. Is it's like a kind of it's a five-hour movie in nine parts. That's what it actually yeah. is. Right. I, yeah. And uh, I, the other thing I was I was thinking. Oh, you know, a piece of the detail we love. Sorry, boys, I can't remember if we mentioned this, but I thought I thought it was amazing, and I hadn't realised I'd done this until I watched it. So not only yeah. they created the three-camera the three-camera situation comedy format, but they actually filmed it in front of a live studio audience. I yeah. thought that was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Just what an amazing do- thing to do. Yeah, all of the TV the 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 TV or sick scenes is front of a live studio audience, which is incredible. Yeah. And then to get people to shut up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. after they got done watching this, hey, don't put out on social media. I mean, they just must don't have bring had any such, cameras in. Yeah, such heavy NDAs. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the people in the audience, because the audience in those things are minuscule. Yeah, you know, hundred, hundred and fifty people. It could entirely be the case that they're all friends and family of the cast and you know there will be Hollywood insiders I think rather than just I love the fact regular people off the street yeah yeah, I love the fact that they everybody came 
dressed to work yeah, in, right the, yeah. in the genre and yeah. decade that they were shooting. Yeah, uh, even brilliant. even the audience was dressed up like they're from the fifties, you know. Yeah. So cool! I, it was so freaking cool. I was like, "Oh man, I can I just get Bettany's coffee for that day?" Yeah, oh, you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah. to be a fly on that wall. And to how be do we get in that? that audience next time? <laughs> it, right? How do I get in that audience? <laughs> Whose dick does John have to suck? Why's it gotta be me? <laughs> His own. If John just also flakes on camera and and sends it sends it to Fagia Desposito and Alonso, this is me also flating. Could I be in the audience next time, please? Here's me sucking my own dick so I can give Paul Bettany's coffee. <laughs> We yeah, almost got terrible. through without a joke uh, like that today, but no, no, it had to go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, when Tiana Paris, who played uh, Monica Rambeau, when she talked about her audition process, like she didn't know what, it's funny that she didn't know what she was auditioning for at all. You yeah. like, dick. <laughs> <laughs> We're off that, Kendrick. Move on. <laughs> Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> I know it's good that she didn't know. The, the other thing that we've covered before, and we covered a little bit when we were talking about Lizzie Olsen, our mate Lizzie Olsen, was that I think one of the things that really shines through about every kind of interview or piece of behind-the-scenes footage, the one thing they're very lucky about in Division is something we praised before in talking about the show, is their original casting. Because actually, Bettany and Lizzie Olsen are just so, such thoughtful, smart you know, intelligent but empathic actors. They're very, very charming and engaging. And when you watch them talking about the genesis and the making of the show, you think, oh yeah. man, these people are lovely. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, as you know, you know, I'm quite a cynic about, about celebrities and famous people. And, and, you know, if you've spent 20 years, to, you know, interviewing celebrities and famous people, you too will become a cynic because, you know, that it's a very, very a deeply variable experience, but they just come across as so, so utterly pleasant. Yeah, I agree. And, and, they, and they enjoy, they enjoy what they're doing, which is awesome. Like they, yeah, really, that's the thing that you can't yeah. fake. It's the enjoyment. Right. They're having yeah. fun. They yeah. Love the characters, which is, which is awesome. Johnny, what you're going to say about Tiana, because I, I, I I was laughing and I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. Just to her talking about how she was excited and auditioning for a role, but she had no idea what she was auditioning for. And then she, once yeah. she got the role, and they told her who she was playing, and she was super excited. But just the idea is, is you're going to audition for a show, and you don't know what you're auditioning for. It could be anything, and just that that intrigued me. Yeah. Well, she was like, it could be, it could be Monica Rambeau, yeah. <laughs> and it was. And it, then it was. I, she's awesome, man. She uh, when. I don't know. She played the part perfect. She has a very, her face is, gives off a lot of expression. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I agree. You know, and so when you watch her, her conveyance of emotion is is done it's, really, really it's well. It's really high level, isn't it? Yeah, she's very good. Yeah. She's yeah, very good. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see her in a movie like where they're really exploring the depths of, of, of Monica in a different way. Yeah. I think she did. I'm sorry. Can't wait to see what they do with her. Yeah. Hey, Johnny. Uh, actually, Kerry's got a point. For some reason, your voice is very quiet today. That's. I, I'll turn it up. Yeah. Definitely. You definitely need to pick it up a bit. I think, mate. Yeah. There you go. Better. Oh uh, yeah. There we go. I mean, you're softly better, yeah. spoken at the best of times, but that's definitely you are definitely unusually quiet. I should talk louder around you too. I know that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so if you did, set your what, set your internal monitor monitor to bellowing level, right. and then you'll then it'll be fine. Turn it up to eleven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to eleven. But these are good to eleven. What is what is something you guys are looking forward to with the Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, based on what you learned and assembled? The making of WandaVision. I don't think you can compare the two at all. It's going to be two totally different shows. Like Falcon or Sword to me seems more like a, a buddy cop show with superpowers, you know, and yeah. a military buddy cop show. And I mean, and this show is totally different. So it's going to be, it, we're going from this really kind of wacky zany adventure of WandaVision going through TV tropes and, and this stuff into essentially, a, you know, a military militarized Marvel show, right? With, Falcon Winter Soldier. I, I don't honestly don't. I haven't. I've tried my best not to read anything about the show at all. I mean, I've watched the yeah. trailer, the one trailer that came out a while ago. Uh, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of going into a blind on purpose. So I don't really know what to expect. I don't really know what it's going to be about, what their goal is. I know a couple of the characters are going to be in it, but I'm excited because I just I'm excited for the fact that it's going to be you know Falcon and Winter Soldier going through doing stuff, and then Zemo's going to be in it apparently. And I don't know what the plot is. I don't know what their end, the end goal is, but I'm excited to see where it goes. I I totally. I sorry, mate. You carry on. You go, Ken. No, you're fine. You're fine. Oh, no, no, all I, I was gonna say is, I, I'm just excited for the level of detail. I, I mean, Marvel always, the MCU is always. I don't know that they always have a high level of production. That I mean, that goes without saying. But seeing what they went through and the subtext of detail that they put into Wandavision, like I, I mean, like seriously, going to Dick Van Dyke and talking with him about how they shot the Dick Van Dyke show and then replicating the way they ran the sitcoms of the fifties and did that just so that they could get the feel and the look and how they did camera angles, everything for just for the 1950s shows of WandaVision, those first couple episodes was, was surreal. And so I'm waiting to see how that transcribes into Falcon Winter Soldier, knowing that's a different group of people, but having somebody like Faggy over t- overshadow everything, saying, "You got, you know, it's it's like when you have your two teams working on a on a on a on a project at work or whatever you're working on, and you got somebody going, man, these guys, man, you guys better, these guys are are killing it right now because they're doing this, this, and this. That makes me excited for what what could come, and not only for Falcon Winter Soldier, but Loki and everything else that's coming in after. Yeah, I agree. Even the shit that on paper I've got no interest in, like some of the some of these shows that are coming up in the future, like yeah. the uh, like the Scroll show, like Armor Wars and stuff. That off the top of my head, I'm like, yeah, I've got no interest in that. Yeah. But I'm sure I'll watch those shows and really enjoy them because that's what they've done time and time again. I mean. Right you know kind of like off topic that that's what we've talked about before when you know we talk about say i'm looking forward to black widow but i have zero expectation for eternals because i actually don't like the eternals i don't think it's a very good comic so 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 this will be the first time that like Faye alonso desposito have like headed up an endeavor that is adapting something that i really have got no interest in the TV guys did it with Inhumans and did a very bad job. I mean, the pre-Fagy TV guys, right? Yeah. And and the, the Inhumans as a comic book, as a concept, I've always thought was horseshit, and that TV show was as well. But I can only think <laughs> that they're going to do a good job with Eternals. But as, we, as we've as talked about at length, and I'm not going to repeat it here right now, 
is the whole concept of watching a royal family for entertainment when I've got to watch these fuckers in the UK because I've got no choice because I'm English. So right. I have right. to live in a society where there's still a royal family and I don't like it. You know, watching right. watching super-powered members of the royal family has kind of has my head in my hands. You know, I've got no interest in that. So so I'm sure I'll end, and I have faith in their process though. So to dial that back to the, there's a bunch of these TV shows that are slated that where some of them I'm like, man, I can't wait, like Moon Knight or whatever. Oh, yeah. Some of them yeah. are like, yeah, Armour Wars, shit, I don't know, I'm not very techy, you know, I love Iron Man on the screen, but will this be interesting? But I'm sure by the time we get to it, I'm sure it will be. To your point about specifically Falcon Winter Soldier, I, I think I completely echo what you were saying there, Ken Ray. Yeah, and you as well, Johnny. I think I think the interesting thing, that the whole making of One Division, which seemed to be a very out there concept. And during the three first episodes, before people really revealed their, before they really revealed their hand with what they were going to do, a lot of people were, "Hey, man, you know this is this is well, very well done, and this brilliant parody of these shows that fundamentally not very many people care about." But this is kind of underwhelmingly. Yeah. And then it kicked into this massive high gear from episode four onwards, and then everybody was addicted <laughs> to it, right? Because remember all those jokes that were after the first episode came out. The first, yeah. the first, the first episode of One Division means that I can't wait for season three of The Mandalorian. Right? That's what everybody's right, doing. Right, right. All that's forgotten about now <laughs> because <laughs> everybody straight off The Mandalorian was like, "Shit, this is a bit disappointing, isn't it?" And then by about episode four, everybody's fucking balls deep in the anus of the whole thing. They just love right. it. Do you know what I mean? They're just completely in the moment. And that's I quite think, the Peter, <laughs> <laughs> but tell tell me it, it's not evocative, you know? In a, in a, Absolutely is right, and um, and that's that's the deal, you know. And I think I think what it makes me what it makes me think is they've done such a wonderful job of putting one division together, which is an impossible concept, with tremendous intellectual and emotional rigor, like they always do. I have no doubt that whatever Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, and I agree with Johnny. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, basically superhero lethal weapon, right? I'm yep. sure it's going to be really yep. good. And I just have faith. This team haven't actually fucked anything up yet. And if you say that probably, yeah. probably, <laughs> there's a quorum of opinion that probably the two worst Marvel films to date are Iron Man 2 and Thor The Dark World. If they're the two worst things they've done, they're still monumentally entertaining. Yeah. And if you watch yeah. Iron Man 2 without having ever seen Iron Man 1, you go, oh my God, that's amazing. And and I, I thought that world is still like full of tremendously enjoy, enjoyable moments. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's the worst yep. they've done, right? That's the worst. So I, I have a lot of faith in them. I, I've got a question for both of you guys. Yeah. And it's based upon... Now, if you've only seen the original trailer, Johnny, you know, uh, there's not been that much material released, but I have watched some of the TV drops over the last week. And I hope this is, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to treat this like it's an advanced spoiler, spoiler, John. I'm just going to talk about what I've seen. So I'm drawing together two things. Here's a bit of speculation that I just wanted to ask you guys about. I'm drawing together two things I've seen. One is the scene in which, there's a scene in which Sam is clearly dressed in a Reservoir Dogs type suit and shirt, yeah. yeah. So you that you would assume he was dressed for a funeral, right? Okay. There's a bit of dialogue which is very funny, which is the two of them are about to go on a mission, and Sam calls Bucky Buck, uh, and Bucky goes, "Don't call me Buck," and he's like, "Well, Steve called you Buck." He goes, "Yeah, but you're not Steve." 
don't call me Buck, right? Oh, well, it doesn't go, <laughs> Steve calls you Buck, right? It goes, Steve yeah, called you Buck. I'm just wondering yeah. if one of the things, one of the ways this starts is the like 137 year old Steve Rogers is dies and they're at his funeral. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Because he, yeah. I mean, I know he's got the super soldier serum in him, which is no doubt why he lived so long. But you, when you add up even the years that he's lived, you know, he's very, very old. You know, he's in his he's in his 130s, you know. Yeah. If you add it all right. together, not just when he was frozen, but, when, you know, if you put it all together, yeah. he's he, when he's actually lived, even if you forget the frozen years, he's a very old man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So, because... Yeah, he, he could be... Let's see, he probably went into the ice when he was in his, let's say, mid-20s, right? Early 20s, okay? Yep. And then he comes out, and so he comes out when the Avengers comes out. Then so then he adds, uh, you know, the, the 13 years of the Marvel Universe. Yep. But also then he adds five years onto that, which is the time they, they live after Thanos has snapped everybody out of existence. Yep. Then he gets rocketed back. And he has to go, the earliest point at which he has to go back is like 19, where he has to finish up is 1945. And then he lives yeah. from 1945 till now. When you put all that together, the dude's 130 years old plus. Yeah. And that's not <laughs> adding in, not adding in when he was actually asleep. And if you add that in, he's like, he's, yeah, yeah, he's fucking 170, it. you know what I mean? So <laughs> even with the super soldier serum within him, and even with him looking so good as a 130-year-old man, You've got to think that they might be starting this series with his funeral. I think they yeah, will. It could be that would make sense. Do you think? Ahead, Johnny. Do you think they'll ever bring him back in the future? I the think book? it's more than possible that they could do, because I think I think it's the thing is there's a whole myriad of ways that they could do it. Right? You, yeah. That we all as comic book fans know they could do, and that's outside of just going back into the timeline that he secretly existed in which was the timeline that we're in, you know, because what has to have happened is that, is that Steve Rogers, you know, on the down low, Steve Rogers has been there and has actually been, you know, has actually been there the whole time and has actually been agent Carter's husband the whole time and all that kind of stuff. While all this is going on, just keeping his gobshit until he turns upon that bench in front of the I lake just, on a particular day. Yep. Do you know what yeah, I mean? The thing is that the only thing that drives me nuts with that whole concept is, that's fucking Steve Rogers. That's Captain America. He can't not stay. He can't keep himself out. And Agent Carter's going to get into trouble. She's, you know, she's Nancy Drew. She's going to want to get into things. There's no mate, way he's going to sit at home. You are totally hitting the nail on the head, though, mate. That's the point. Because what he's done is he's, you know, it would seem to me, and this is my theory of it, he's obviously plotted out all the key things that he's done you know, in the existence of the Marvel Universe in his lifetime since he's come out of the ice, right? He's plotted all of that, and he, and he knows he has to stay away from all of that, right? Yeah. He knows he can't touch any of that. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a whole bunch of other shit he can't get up to, not dressed as Captain America, but just on the down low. You know, right. there's a whole bunch of other things he can be doing oh, yeah. for that whole century. So you can be going back into the 50s, and, you know, secret undercover Steve Rogers doing X, Y, and Z. He's just making sure he doesn't mess with anything that, you know, gets involved with the Avengers Thanos timeline. It'd be, I think it'd be super cool if they did a, like a, a Disney Plus show just of him going back and returning the stones. Just yeah. tell that story. Uh, yeah, it'd be brilliant. Just to see him interact with, with the Ancient One and interact with all the different points where the stones came from. Yeah. It, it'd, be, it'd, it'd be a lot of fun, you know, because it'd be... It, I don't know. I, I like to see because he has to, he has to do it very specifically. 
and it had to be, you know, it had to be done in a certain way. And just to kind of see that journey, because you know, because you know, it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't just a drop it off real quick thing. You know, no, something that, I, Johnny, this is right because, and and that's what the whole story about going back to Manhattan and then having to go back to the birth of the Super Soldier Project and yeah. and seeing and seeing Henry Pym when he's kind of the age that Michael Douglas was in the streets of San Francisco. The whole point of all that is nothing ever goes. You know, it's it's this friend of mine who's who's a retired like the retired fire chief of Liverpool. He's always he's always into plant disaster planning, right? Yeah. His name's Moose Davis. He's big time into disaster planning, and but his favourite saying, and it's an old military saying, is no plan survives first contact with the enemy, and it's right. You know, nothing ever goes according to plan. So when he was returned every stone, there's a whole bunch of incident that could be going on. Some of it might yeah. have lasted months. Some of it might have lasted years, because. One of the things that happens in the Doctor Who universe, right, is it's a given that during the course of any Doctor's life, you are only seeing a few highlights of actually what they've done. And in fact, the implication is that each incarnation of the Doctor lives for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and you're just seeing bits of it. Do you know what I mean? And the doctors have complete yep. recall of the complete total recall. So yeah. they can meet somebody they've, they've met a thousand years ago. They meet them again and they pick up straight away, you know, because they have this vast kind of intellect. But in reality, you're just seeing the highlights of their life. It's not that their life lasts three years, which is the duration of their incarnation on screen. It's not that at all. And you've got to think, logic dictates and when i say logic i mean the same bullshit logic that that you know that they make fun of in in endgame that delivers every time travel movie ever ever made because you just change the rules depending upon what your particular movie is right you know yeah. that, that those logic dictates though that a bunch of other shit happened when he returned everything i totally agree with you johnny yeah i want to see there that i want to see that i want that story <laughs> Well, yeah, me too. I, I think you're going to see that story if Chris Evans goes and does a bunch of movies that don't do that don't fare very well. I, yeah, I think you're right. And the and great he'll thing be like, about hey, I want to come back. <laughs> I, and the, the thing about Evans is is that he's in great fucking shape. And if he doesn't touch some old universe for ten years, right, he's still going to be in still great like shape him. ten years from now, and he's going to be able to play Captain America in his late forties. No problem. He'll still look good. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yep. And the yep. way that uh, Downey's, uh, if he's not 60 already, he's pushing 60. I think he's in his 60s now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and and he still looks good as Tony Stark, right? Because he keeps himself yep. fit as a butcher's dog, as we say. Yeah. Well, I know Johnny's got to go. He's he's itching at the bit, but he's recording. So that means we got to go. <laughs> yeah. No, which makes uh, complete sense. We uh, This doesn't need to be our usual hour plus marathon. You know, because right. you know, I mean, this this is probably already the longest the longest podcast anybody has recorded about a making of a show. You know, in the history of entertainment podcasts. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think we've done. I think we've done very well to crush out forty five minutes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I I think the one thing I'd, I'll take from this is that Disney and Marvel together it makes magical stuff in the magical kingdom. And who knew a making of could be so entertaining? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, hats off to them. Well played to them. And well yeah. played to Lizzie Olsen and Paul Bettany once more. Yep. For being beautiful people who are highly entertaining, smart, and fun and empathic to watch talk about their work. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the one thing we didn't get to talk about was Catherine Hahn because... Um, oh, man. I, she's, I mean, she's just amazing. Yeah. She was, a, she was awesome. Absolute delight. 
There we go. Yeah. Guys, next week, when does uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, what date? I uh, think it Friday. drops on Friday. I think yeah. it drops on Friday at kind of like, which is when? The 19th. Yeah, 19th. 19th. Friday 19th. Same so we'll, time that One Division was dropping. So. so we'll meet everybody back here, you as well, right back here to talk Falcon Winter Soldier. Sounds good. Same Avengers time, same Avengers channel. We'll see you there. (laughs) Okay, true believers. Have a good day. Take care. Take care, (laughs) gents. Happy Saturday. Excelsior.